Alrighty. Now well, we've got Prepop on. He's going to be co-hosting, and we will be uh, still probably seeing more people trickle in. Uh, I'm seeing that start to happen now. Um, but in the meantime, let's go ahead and get started. It's been a very, very active week, and there's there's a fair amount to uh, talk about. So I'm going to hit some of the high points, um, and then I'm going to pass the mic to Prepop. He's going to give you guys an overview of where things stand um, with our progress on the V2 vaults, which is very exciting. Um, you know, continues to be you know very very complex uh, task, but at the same time, we have a fantastic team and we're making really really impressive progress. So, I'm certainly uh, you know very grateful myself to uh, Prepop and the dev team. And I ask all of you to uh, give a big shout out and uh, show some hearts and claps and such. Uh, for them, because they are really grinding. You know, we're working you know, through the weekend now, and you know, late into the night to keep the uh, progress on the V2 vaults progressing apace. Um, but before we get into that, you know, just uh, some updates on my end, um, sort of more on the business side. I personally, as well as uh, Jefferson Chang, my uh, my chief of staff, have been out in in San Francisco for the Circle conference this week. So that's been incredibly cool. It was a, you know, a very, uh, very choice gathering for Umami's purposes. You know, we, we also had boots on the ground from our uh, business development advisor, Nick W., at Mainnet last week. And I, I made a, had a few meetings. I visited the Arbitrum event at Mainnet. And that, that was a great conference, too. But what's particularly exciting about uh, circle is you know this is really where the intersection of uh, of traditional finance and you know CFI centralized finance uh, and and DeFi uh, can be found right so you know that's where you know we really fit in is kind of this bridge between true DeFi smart contracts and um, you know our our legal entity through Umami Advisors that you know brings the benefits of of DeFi yield to institutions. So it was a really good place. We made tons of contacts, very exciting conversations. Um, I think, you know, within the bounds of what I can, you know, reasonably update you guys on, um, you know, without being too public about proprietary conversations, um, you know, I'll say I had a you know, wonderful time, you know, meeting with, uh, you know, some folks at, at Circle while I was here. And I think that, you know, it just remains to be the case that, you know, there's a really, really exciting uh, potential to to see something really cool happen between these two entities. Um, I, I won't I won't share too many specifics just because I'm not a hundred percent certain what is and is not you know public. But I think what the picture that I can paint uh, at sort of a high level, you know, is is this right? Which is you know, as you guys know, uh, Circle is you know very very successful. Um, Web3 startup that mints USDC, the most widely used stablecoin. And, you know, of course, they're not just stopping at the stablecoin smart contracts. They are building an incredible, you know, infrastructure of um, institutional clientele, a circle account that is, you know, linked to a fiat crypto on-ramp that connects to, you know, all chains, including Arbitrum. And, you know, as they, you know, develop this kind of network of institutions that, that use circle, as circle accounts... Um, it'll be really exciting to see, you know, what kinds of integrations they make. And I think that, you know, a very interesting trend uh, to watch. And I think, you know, one that frankly, Umami 
is and will be leading is the increasing integration of DeFi functionality and, and DeFi yield into CFI and TradFi platforms, right? And you know that's what became abundantly clear to me, I will share, from my time at this conference, is that you know CFI is doing an amazing job of selling crypto as an asset class, you know, particularly Bitcoin and Ethereum and you know obviously USDC as well. They're selling crypto as an asset class, the idea of it, really effectively to institutions, to you know traditional uh, you know, family offices, hedge, fu- hedge funds, etc. Um, and they're really streamlining and simplifying the process of getting exposure to that asset class. You no longer you know, need to have a MetaMask and a Gnosis safe and know how to bridge and have the seed phrase and all that if you're an institution to have exposure to Bitcoin and ETH and you know, other, other crypto assets. So CFI... Uh, you know, Circle included, and I'd say, you know, Coinbase, those guys as well. They're doing a really great job of that. Um, and they're building that pipeline of hundreds of billions of dollars of institutional capital, all, all lined up and very eager to get exposure to crypto. You know, and frankly, frankly, the market pullback, I think most institutions are smart enough to realize that, that is, that's an opportunity to start ratcheting up exposure, right? As opposed to buying when ETH is 5,000. So that's great. But what's clearly missing, and again, this is you know, just affirmed by my time at this conference, what's clearly missing is a, a DeFi layer underneath these big CeFi platforms that plugs them in to yield from providing liquidity on chain or from, you know, e- frankly, even from operating ETH2 validator nodes on chain, right? The best that you can possibly do, um, as far as I am aware, at least, I think this is you know pretty widely accepted, the best you're going to do on a true CFI platform in terms of accessing on-chain yield right now would be the staked ETH, you know, Coinbase staked ETH product on Coinbase, 3% APR. As far as I'm aware, they're not even you know fully integrating you know uh, MEV strategies you know as much as they could. Um, it's really just sort of a very you know bare bones you know node operating uh, outfit and with you know accordingly low yield. None of these guys are pumping liquidity you know into LPs or DEXs or exchanges like GMX on chain and passing the yield back to their clients. That's what's missing, and it's clear that you know over the next year. Um, major CFI organizations, whether it's Circle, Coinbase, etc., that have DeFi integrations with projects like Umami that provide them with you know, far higher, 10%, 15% plus APR um, on you know, core crypto assets like Bitcoin and Ethereum, you know, that is going to be a huge competitive advantage for that platform. And right now, frankly, there's really only one project in the DeFi world, you know, run by DeFi natives with you know, native understanding of you know relevant DeFi protocols like GMX, um, there's really only one project that's you know building for what is to come, which is Umami. And I've just never felt more confident in uh, our market position because we are. I, I, I will I will share this. There, had a lot of conversations with major CFI institutions while I was here this week, and frankly, they just don't have other. DeFi DAOs they can work with because so few have created legal entities 
uh, have a docs team, have, you know, really transparent, you know, accounting and reporting practices, and that makes it really hard to compliantly integrate with C5. So, you know, there's Umami and there's a greenfield before us. And, you know, without, I think, sharing much more on the specifics of some of these conversations, uh, suffice it to say that I think over the next two to three quarters, really, really great, uh, exciting partnerships with a number of, you know, CFI or sort of hybrid TradFi um, crypto uh, organizations are going to come to fruition uh, at Umami. So that's kind of the main thing that I wanted to share. I also just wanted to share a small update. We brought on a uh, full stack dev, Clones Cody, who we're just delighted to be working with. He's been a core community member for a long time and is also a terrifically talented dev. So I uh, just want to say again, Clones Cody, welcome aboard. Um, and with that, I think we should pass the mic to Prepop to give us an update on the V2 vaults. Sure, yeah. Thanks for the intro. And uh, yeah, really exciting stuff to hear coming from that Circle conference. Uh, so you love love to hear that. Um, yeah, Clones Cody has joined us. Uh, yeah, we give him a short intro. Um, he has been officially onboarded and, and integrated and uh, will be a critical part in displaying the data and metrics uh, on the website for everyone to see. And uh, I'll get in into a that a little bit later on, the first thing I want to focus is obviously the feed, the V2 vaults, um, which is what our uh, you know dev team is is uh, fully involved with right now. And I, I've given several updates on this in the past weeks, but um, I think it's important to you know continue to give to give uh, updates on on you know, the process that we're taking here and, and the importance of it too. So uh, I think the V1s, you know, um, this was the part that, um, this is the critical part that, that uh, we're focusing on right now is the, like the level of backtesting model and simulation um, is, is we're, we're holding that to the highest scrutiny possible. Um, and, and when I say highest scrutiny, I mean um, the exact pricing used, the exact contract interaction, the exact fee calculation, not just on-chain data, but the simulation of how all those values will be changed as we fluctuate, as vaults have churned, um, some extreme examples, and, and being able to explore um, some advanced leverage strategies and of course with the objective of consolidating and lowering fees across all the vaults we're building um in this in this gl you know in the series of glp vaults and you know uh maximizing the efficiency of the capital that we're that we're putting in here and the really neat thing is just the ability to go through and um, have that simulation be so accurate. Um, and, and what that looks like on the day-to-day -day is combing through contracts, um, right? It's scanning through um, uh, months and months and months of on-chain data, formatting that, getting, you know, uh, writing efficient modeling for, you know, multi-threading to go through and, and run through months of, of backtesting data with all these interactions happening at a granularity in the seconds. Um, and it, it's a great, you know, it's a great example of the power of having a blockchain ledger that you can go back and pull 
and um, having projects that have open source contracts um, and the transparency so that you can take all the inner workings, simulate it, and know exactly how your own product is going to interact with a contract once you, uh, you know, once you build and deploy a real one. And so um, the other neat thing is, you know, we're going to get the most detailed um, accuracy on estimations of performance of the vaults um, and also get a feel for when we start to do our own forked testing and um, live mainnet testing, which we did uh, in the past. This, this time we'll, ha we'll be able to reference all of this existing back testing data as, you know, as just a litmus test of, um, you know, how the performance is, is, is handling, uh, you know, in the, in the forecast testing, uh, verified with, with all this uh, previous work that we're doing now to build up all this. So I'm really excited about the process and, um, you know, very involved. Um, sometimes this uh, type of work, you know, especially data collection and, and, and validating data and, and cross-checking, making sure uh, everything looks good, could be, you know, could, could be quite draining. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it helps it all of us on the dev team, like this, we love to do this kind of stuff to, to begin with, like the, you know, the simulation um, of, of this mod, the, of the vault. Uh, it's just, you know, it, it's, a, it's incredibly exciting as a, as a dev um, to start seeing the results and start getting to fine, fine tune the parameters and, and uh, you know, change variables and, and like see how a year's worth of data, um, you know, the results of, of your tweaks and changes. So, um, it's a very cool process and, and yeah, very hard at work. And um, as always, very happy to answer any questions that people might have on on this. And uh, as we approach, you know, getting into mid-October, that's when we plan to uh, start writing some medium, medium articles and, and start, you know, revealing some of the the details. I think that we'll be in a good place there where we're not giving anything too, too, uh, away too early. Um of course, we don't want to reveal any strategy secrets or something that uh, that could be jumped upon. Uh, so I think that's when we're planning on, on writing up some articles and going into depths and, and sharing some of this uh, this uh, modeling results. So um, other than the V2 uh, updates, the next big thing that's coming and, and much more apparent to the user base is the uh, front-end redesign. So we have a phase one uh, for the front end redesign, that's you know a complete overhaul of the graphics and the the UX user interactions of our website. And in phase one, this includes every functionality that's that's there today, so the marinade and and uh, the compound. And and you know we're also adding the additional functionality of uh, integrating a bridge and swap through socket. Uh, which is fantastic tech um, that that powers Bungie. If you've ever used a Bungie bridge, uh, kind of a bridge aggregation um, to find best paths for for bridging and swapping, um, and so that will be integrated along with a uh, new landing page that will that will have start to showcase where we're heading in terms of our dis our uh, bigger commitment to displaying metrics and stats on our website. Um, and the overall goal, I think all DeFi users love seeing numbers, charts, graphs, right? We, that's what we live for. And um, 
you know, so the phase one will will have the start of that with this new landing page um, and and streamlined you, uh, user experience built in. But um, we also have a V two plan that will include um, a lot more of that in, in more detail. And uh, I we can confidently say this phase one redesign um, will be uh, launched at the end of October, and we're feeling confident to uh, to go ahead and announce. Uh, a date for that um, at, the, at the end of October, and um, I th there's there's been some screenshots shared on on Twitter and the Discord uh, from the, just a fantastic designer, Tendino. Can't say enough good things about Tendino, and at this point, he's built up such a, an impressive portfolio of designing for lots of different DeFi projects. Um, and Tendino, and also Gray Pixel, who's leading our effort on the front end redesign and clones Cody, our newest addition, who is, who is helping build out the API and, and Stasa metrics. So, um, so yeah, so that's the exciting news for, uh, for that. And, and, um, uh, it's going to coincide like the whole redesign, uh, you know, as part of the larger branding, uh, efforts, rebranding that efforts that we've done with the help of Edis, who has made all those wonderful videos of, of product explanations, wonderful graphics we use for everything, for all of our updates from audit report updates to treasury report updates. And he's just done a fantastic job really cementing the branding and image of Umami, both for, you know, DeFi natives, retail investors, uh, and all our user base, but also opening, you know, taking us to the next level of branding for when institutionals start peaking and, 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 and starting to work with us. So yeah, that's, that's kind of an update on, and I'm, I'm here to answer any questions that, that anyone might have. I'll hand it back to you, DeFi. Awesome. Thank you so much, Prepop. Um, really great update as always. And just want to say, I think everyone here is, is really grateful to have you hopping on. Um, as, as you've been, these are just really, really awesome to hear. And you know, like Prepop said, if you have any any questions about product development or, or the technical or you know product strategy side of things, um, feel free to fire away uh, to Prepop. Uh, and with that, you know we have our uh, chief legal officer Alex uh, with us as well. Just wanted to see if Alex had any any thoughts um, you wanted to share. I, I shot you a speaker's invite. I can resend that. Um, Yes. Awesome. Th thank you so much, DeFi. And, and, and Prebop, thanks for all those updates. Um, I don't have anything nearly as interesting to say as Prebop, which is normally the case. Um, not a whole lot to update um, on this week that's uh, umami specific on the legal front. I was able to um, to uh, uh, push the, uh, the first... Um, Article in in my blog series uh, this Monday, which which I'm excited about, and I hope everybody got a chance to look at um, about the uh, the U.S. taxation of um, 4626 volts, which is of course quite relevant to Umami. I uh, uh, look forward to the next installment, and um, I, I'm making a commitment here that the next installment of the blog will be um, less dry and technical, but hopefully equally informative, and. Um, uh, any any specific questions about 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 the 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 blog? I'm happy to answer on here or or or, or general questions. Um, I I think I'll take a couple minutes though and kind of give give my thoughts on um, on a couple um, developments, sort of broadly in in the crypto legal world. Uh, 
um, this this week that I think are worth um, th- are, are, are worth thinking about for the uh, for the umami community. Um, you know, the uh, I would say the big one, which which I'm sure that people are are aware of, is the um, the CFTC complaint, which was which was filed against uh, Uki Dow. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, for for those who aren't aware, the sort of TLDR is that uh, uh, Uki was operating. Uh, I'm, I'm to be honest, not actually familiar with the uh, with the with the protocol and exactly what it does, but but they're operating some sort of options um, trading platform. I, I don't think it was like is super widely used, but but used enough and. Um, uh, you know, whatever they were doing was was I would say fairly clearly under the jurisdiction of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission in the U.S. or the CFTC, uh, which which is uh, the the government entity that um, regulates uh, future futures trading, basically all futures trading except for um, futures which are securities, and there's some. Joint jurisdiction of the SEC and the CFTC, and those uh, who, who know me know that I am somewhat of a—I don't love regulation, but I'm somewhat of a CFTC maxi, at least vis-a-vis the SEC. Or I, I was before the Uki Dow complaint was filed. I, I think that uh, I, I have to kind of uh, uh, back up from that position a little bit with this Uki Dow complaint because I think that it shows. Um, some so, some real problems with the CFTC's thinking, you know, with with respect to uh, to regulation of the space. So you know, basically, um, what what the CFTC alleged that 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 Ukidao was was doing is is they organized themselves as as a DAO um, for the express purpose of avoiding liability under the the Commodities Exchange Act. Um, and and so 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 what what that allegation really boils down to is basically the CFTC said, hey, you guys knew you were doing something illegal by running this this options um, platform and or futures platform, and uh, and and you just called yourself a DAO to to avoid uh, being being regulated by by the CFTC. Um, and and actually, the, the the reason the CFTC said that is because. Two two members of the DAO who entered into a settlement with the CFTC uh, admitted that to the CFTC. So that wasn't the, the CFTC was not making that up. They the um, per, per, perhaps there's some uh, you know financial coercion that was going on there, but 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 this was admitted conduct by 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 Uki and and so the the CFTC um, uh, made made this allegation. And then, and that's you know, I don't want to say that's good, but that's all sort of par for the course. Uh, but what the CFTC did that I think is extremely problematic is they then said, okay, everybody who owns the the Uki tokens, which I'm not sure if they're called Uki or something else, uh, which gave people uh, uh, rights to vote in the um, over, over DAO governance matters. So anybody who owned the tokens. And in fact, voted on on Dow governments governance matters is effectively an owner of the Dow, and we're treating the Dow as an unincorporated association, which means that its owners have unlimited liability for purposes of um, 
this complaint against uh, for purposes of like the Dow activities, and now they've sued the Dow. And uh, and so somewhat humorously, although I mean, I guess it's one of those things that would be funny if it wasn't so serious. They they served the Dow by by sending a copy to the of the complaint to the chat box on their website on the Dow's website on Uki's website, which is a like I said, kind of funny way to serve a complaint. But in any event, that's that's where where that that stands at the moment. And the the, the big issue that that I have and I think is is of concern is this theory that if you own a token that has voting rights and you in fact vote that token then you're assuming liability for the actions of the 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 DAO which which under underpins that token. And there's been kind of whispers of this legal theory um th- that have been going on for for some time. And you know it's it's a uh so so we so we sort of known that this is something that could be pursued by 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 the government. My expectation would have been that it was the SEC that would pursue it. In fact it's the CFTC so that's that is what it is. And, uh, you know, I, I will say that there, there was actually a dissenting opinion from one of the commissioners of the CFTC when the administration decided to take this action where, you know, she said um, this is really kind of crazy because there's nothing in the Commodities Exchange Act that says we're allowed to treat an entity this way. And there's all these public statements that the CFTC has said that, oh, we need new regulations to accommodate um, futures being traded on chain. And this really goes against that, uh, which is all correct. But of course, her opinion is a dissenting opinion, not the controlling opinion, which is disappointing. Um, so so how does this impact Umami? Uh, I, I think that it, it really underscores the need um, for for DAOs in general to have uh, uh, legal wrappers, as as we call them, to actually have um, entities that um, you know protect liability or contain liability with within the entity, and you know, so I I mean, this is why I think it was very forward thinking of 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 Umami to um, you know go ahead and 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 incorporate. As a Cayman Foundation, as as many DAOs have in fact done, we did we did not invent that by any stretch, um, and and you know because again the idea that something like this could happen has been known for a while, and so you know we we've really gone to to to, to some lengths at Umami to ensure that um, in any DAO action is taken through this this Cayman Foundation. Um, which which the Cayman Foundation is ultimately, in a legal sense, beholden to the token holders, um, and and operates for the benefit of the token holders. But the the and and as as I'm sure everybody is aware, the you know the DAO does follow the the snapshot votes and 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 that type of thing. So if you own Umami tokens, then you're somewhat equivalent to this um, situation with with Uki. But the big difference between What's going on with with this Uki case with the CFTC and where we are with Umami is um, that the uh, uh, that we have this foundation which, in theory, should protect um, any holders of Umami tokens from this personal liability theory 
if there was ever an enforcement action or any other legal action against the Dow, which you know, of course we do not anticipate, but um, it would because we are trying to uh, you know follow all of the rules and make sure that our um, offerings are appropriately registered um, when 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 made. Uh, so that but that was a, a development um, this week that I think was somewhat disappointing. And I did want to bring it up on this call to, um, you know, just just assure our community members that we are thinking about these things and we are, you know, prospectively trying to um, plan around um, the, uh, the, the the this type of thing. And so that's that's the main update that I wanted to give this week. The other um, the other thing I wanted to point out, which is not related to. Uh, umami at all but i think is you know something that everybody should should just have in the back of their minds which is that uh, the the dutch government just announced that they're holding um the the tornado cash dev that was arrested about 50 days ago or however long ago for the full 90 days without charging him they're not saying what what he did wrong by publishing the tornado cash cash code and again that has no relationship to umami whatsoever it's just genuine the arc summing shitty and uh demonstrates why we need to have clear regulations and protection of speech in uh in all of crypto and DeFi. um but let me I'll, I'll go ahead and turn things back over to uh to DeFi, and then um if there's any questions i'm, I'm happy to hop back on thanks alex that was a really great overview and i, I actually had not heard that news about uh the tornado dev and it's uh, very unsettling, but also not surprising, uh, given the state of affairs. But thank you for sharing that. I see that we have a question here from uh, Andy. So keen to keen to hear from him. How are you, sir? Hey, I assume you said my name. I feel like that Twitter does that weird pause. Um, yeah, Alex, uh, great overview. Thanks. Uh, I guess two questions I had around that. Uh, and, and, um, I guess one is like, is there a, w a way to interpret this optimistically? And like, uh, you know, you can tell me, uh, no, I'm off on this one, but like, I guess it, is there one way inter interpretation here where, um, the fact the CFTC went after this DAO that I've never heard of that a lot of people I know have never heard of. And like for this kind of small thing or this thing, not, not that it's small, but that this DAO is, is kind of small relatively is somewhat a positive signal. They didn't go after like a really big DAO and a much bigger enforcement action. Uh, so that's question one. And then like two is it all, I guess how, how did was your, what's your understanding or what's your read of what happened prior to this action with the two founders of the project? Like did they squeeze these guys into a corner and then like they're basically left with, with no option except for to pursue somebody. And the DAO just became like the only, only, Thing left to pursue like i'm trying to understand kind of the cftc strategy and, and what got them into this position um andy thank you so much that's those are both like really excellent questions so on on the first one um it, i guess an optimistic read is is possible you, the my, my broad thoughts on why did they go after this DAO that nobody's heard of i, I i'm actually not optimistic about that um in 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 the sense that my, my gut is that the underlying legal strategy of that is something that we've actually seen 
the SEC do in the past, which is like um, it's 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 somewhat analogous, actually, I think, to the SEC's um, insider trading case against you know the 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 Coinbase em- employees who are engaging in insider trading. You know where it's it's kind of like this Trojan horse, right? Where the, with the SEC case against against the Coinbase guys, you know, on the one hand, it's a very transparent. Like the guys were obviously insider trading when you look at what they were doing, and they weren't even sophisticated enough to really cover up their tracks. So, like in that sense, it's kind of a slam dunk. But then, embedded in that charge is was this idea that like, oh, these tokens that had previously appeared to be utility tokens for U.S. security law purposes, we're now arguing that those are security to those are securities. And the reason I say it's a little bit of a Trojan horse is that the defendants in that case are like relatively unsophisticated people, relatively low dollar amounts involved. And it almost feels like what the SEC took away from the XRP case, right, is that we really shouldn't go after people who can like defend themselves against the government because they make it hard for us to get the case law that we want. And so we're going to go after these small fish to get the results that 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 we that we want to have and and I think that there's a flavor of that in the CFTC you know pursuing uh Ukidao because it, it, it's it's I I really doubt, again I know nothing about about that protocol outside of the CFTC action and I think a lot of people have just like never heard of it you know so and that makes me think there's probably not like huge sums of money that have been changing hands um, you know, to Ukidao and the, or that the people are all that sophisticated. And, and it's another instance where the government is sort of testing through litigation this very important legal theory about DAOs as unincorporated associations in the U.S., you know, against, against uh, a group or individuals that probably don't have a lot of resources to um, to defend themselves. And so, in that sense, it's it's it, it I'm not optimistic, but I, I will say that there is one thing. There is one cause for optimism within within the whole um, framework within the whole situation with Ugidao, which which is that like w- what I was able to learn about the protocol just reading about it after um, the the case was filed by the by the CFTC is that. The, <laughs> I mean, it's not like one of these borderline cases in terms of like the actual commodities issues, right? The commodity future issues, right? That there is zero ambiguity that 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 what these guys were doing is operating a commodity futures exchange, and they had made absolutely no attempt to to even have a whiff of compliance with uh, with 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 U.S. law. And when faced with the fact that hey, we're not actually in compliance with U.S. law. Instead of trying to get in compliance with law, they said, well, let's try to just do this fairly unsophisticated sleight of hand with a DAO entity so that we can deflect liability for doing this thing that we did. And so there is a part of me that says, well, maybe the CFTC is being so aggressive with these guys because they really were thumbing their nose at at the CFTC. But, But that... That's one potential read. I, I can't sit here and say, yeah, I know that's the case. And, you know, to, to your, so to your second question as to um, 
like what what was the going on in in the back room, so to speak, with the deal between um, the, the, there's two guys. Um, the, and I, I'm not trying to carry water for them, but I really have forgotten their names. But two guys live in the U.S. I think in California. Um, they had actually formed an LLC to conduct the uh, the business of Uki Dow and abandoned the LLC in favor of the Dow because they didn't want to get in trouble with the CFTC, um, which was colossally stupid. I mean, that, you know, what I don't know what they were thinking. I, I, they don't seem like particularly sophisticated people. But um, so they're the people who made this deal with the CFTC and they agreed to some um, monetary fine. And I, I, I want to say it's order of like $250,000 they agreed to pay, which I, I mean, in the world of CFTC fines is really small potatoes, right? Now, I, I mean, like in the world of, of, of money, $250,000 is a lot of money. I don't think anybody wants to just fork that over. And I imagine for these two guys, um, that was probably quite a bit of money, you know, for them. Um, and, and, but it is not a lot of money for the CFTC by any stretch. And, and so, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly what, what the motivation was um, for, 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 for these two guys to enter into this deal. Obviously, I wasn't in the room. My, my suspicion is that their potential exposure was much larger than $250,000. And so when they, when they agreed to pay that amount of money, it was, you know, just to kind of save their own ass. And they were willing to, um, I mean, in effect, you know, I don't want to say it too strongly, but I don't know a different way to say it. In effect, they sold out their community, right? Because they said, okay, we're going to, we're going to like agree to settle with the CFTC. They're not defendants in the lawsuit. The only defendant in the lawsuit is the, is the Dow itself. And, and so they kind of said, okay, we're going to like, Say that we did all these bad things under the guise of the Dow. We're going to settle with the CFTC, and then we're going to sit on the sidelines and watch as the as the CFTC goes after Dow, you know, token holders uh, on on this theory of liability. And it's like, and it's pretty shitty. I don't know a different way to to cover it, to say it, but you know, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I it's 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 uh, at the same time, you know being people make all sorts of deals with the government. Anybody says that they, I mean, it's the same thing that like, you know, you hear people say all the time, Oh, I'd never, you know, plea out with the government and, and implicate a co-conspirator conspirator. It's like, well, you probably would actually, if you were looking at, you know, the stiff penalties, the government can hand you, you know, and I'm sure that that was what was on these guys mind. And, and so, um, you know, I don't want to be too harsh on them for, you know, making a deal that I think a lot of people ultimately uh, uh, w- would make. So, I mean, I, those those are kind of my thoughts. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And and right, we don't even know like they could have could have had this and other other stuff on the kit on the book on them. Uh, I guess um, the other thing I was thinking as you were kind of going through that was like politically, maybe why it's a good move for the CFTC is I didn't see a lot of people jumping to Uki Dow's defense this week. It was kind of like the, the the crypto community was kind of just like, who are these guys? Was kind of the response that I saw. Uh, and so where I think if they had gone after like a, a name that we all kind of like respect and know, you would have seen more, more pushback. 
Uh, and so maybe, you know, to your point, like the CFTC gets to throw a punch, put a foot in the sand and, and they don't have to deal with too much backlash from like whoever's, um, you know, lobbying on behalf of like Coinbase maker now and, you know, uh, like Uniswap right now. So, um, you know, maybe some benefits there as well. Yeah, I, I think you're 100 percent correct on 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 that, Andy. I, th- I think that probably was uh, um, part part of their logic. But of course, we're, we'll we'll never know. Well, they, if if I uh, if I could read the minds of the CFTC and SEC, um, I, I, I would be I would be a very very wealthy man. So I I I wish I could, but but I all we can do is kind of sit here and speculate. But I I do think that as far as speculation goes, you're you're, you're probably correct that. The CFTC. There, there are other platforms um, that are out there that that would probably also be able to be targeted by the CFTC. Um, that are much larger, much more re- well respected. Um, that the CFTC uh, has opted to not square off with in this public fashion, and there's almost certainly a reason for that. I'll I'll, I'll hand it back over to you, Defact. Great. Um, really good stuff. And that, that's a fascinating discussion. Does anyone else have any questions that they want to uh, raise while we're doing this? I think at this point, everyone knows the routine that we have the AMA questions channel as well. And if anyone has, you know, can't speak, but wants to share thoughts or ask questions in the AMA questions channel in our discord, they're welcome to do so. Right now, I just see some well-deserved praise for uh, for Alex G's uh, legal insights and commentary, which is awesome. Thank you, Doka, for uh, sharing that. If we don't see anyone else raising their hands, um, I will say it's been a pretty pretty crazy week with a uh, good chunk of the team over at the Circle Conference. So I'll make this a last call for further questions, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah.